Howdy, everyone, and thank you again for tuning in to the Jeffersonian Tradition. Before we get started, I have a couple of things to go over. For now, the podcast is mostly ad-free, and I sure would like to keep it that way. You can help me out with that by becoming a supporting listener. If you find value in the podcast, there's a link in the show notes page that lets you contribute to my work, and that'll help keep the podcast going and light on advertising. If you're not comfortable with a recurring contribution model, I've also set up a Cash App profile for the show, so one-time contributions can be sent there, and all of this information is also listed in that show notes page. If you contribute at least $4.99 per month, you're eligible for membership in the Ward Republic, which gets you one phone call with myself and the other Ward Republic members each month. And support monetary freedom today and head over to our new sponsor at www.defythegrid.com to purchase your gold backs. I have an affiliate link in the show notes page as well. And if you use it, I will get a 1% commission. So click on my link in the show notes page and help fuel monetary decentralization today. And don't forget to download the MeWe app and search for me so we can be friends and then I can add you into the show's private MeWe group so we can have sane and rational discourse around historic and current political topics. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with today's topic. Today we're going to continue our critiques of the modern corporate form and what we're going to do is actually look at an ongoing lawsuit filed by ThetaCare against Ascension Northeast Wisconsin. This lawsuit was actually filed on... Friday, uh, which would have been, or this past Friday, excuse me, which would have been January 21st of 2022. And the primary focus for this episode is going to be the blatantly anti-competitive nature of this lawsuit and the dangerous implications of the air quotes, private jab mandates by places like Carhartt, kind of in conjunction with the tenets of this lawsuit. So to start off, we're going to read a couple of articles that talk about this particular case, and then we'll dive into our discussion after that. And the first article is going to come from Reason.com. Reason is kind of a Beltway Libertarian Institute, but ever so often they do release an article that's worth reading, and this particular article was written on January 24th, 2022. And it says, Ascension, a healthcare company with locations in Wisconsin, recently hired seven workers specializing in interventional radiology and cardiovascular work. All of them used to work for the competing healthcare provider ThetaCare, and they represent a majority of the latter's formerly 11-member team. Now ThetaCare is using the courts to stop the former employees from taking their chosen new jobs. Last week, Outagamie County Circuit Court Judge Mark McGinnis insanely agreed to legally prevent these workers from starting their new jobs. None of these Americans were barred contractually from leaving the old job at will or from taking a new one. The court's temporary restraining order stated that Ascension must make available to ThetaCare one invasive radiology technician and one registered nurse of the individuals resigning their employment with ThetaCare to join Ascension, with their support to include on-call responsibilities or cease the hiring of the individuals referenced until ThetaCare has hired adequate staff to replace the departing IRC team members. The resource the judge insists that Ascension must make available is a group of human beings who did not choose to be made available to ThetaCare. ThetaCare has no argument based on contract or non-compete clauses for its brazen demand. It is merely declaring that its former employee's choice to go will harm it, and it insists harm public health in the area. A further hearing on the matter is happening today, and uh, just a quick pause. Yes, they did have a follow-up hearing to this yesterday, and that'll be the second article that we look at. 
And back to the article, it says, Not that it should matter, but Ascension did no active poaching of the employees. One freely applied, preferred the offer, and word spread among the others. It's a choice they should, of course, be free to make. ThetaCare insists that since it is the only level 2 trauma and comprehensive stroke care operation in its area, stretching from Green Bay and Milwaukee, the loss of its ability to have 24-7 staff on call, at least until it is able to find people freely willing to accept its compensation package, could both threaten its accreditation and present health risks to the residents who might need its services. Lynn Detterman, a senior vice president at ThetaCare, told WBAY that, quote, it just really, in the spirit of our community, is harmed by this potentially, so we just want to work collectively to ensure that does not happen, end quote. By preventing American citizens from taking another job, they prefer more. And while we're talking about Lynn Detterman, I do just want to make a very quick cross-reference to another article. Uh, this is from Post Crescent, which looks to be a local Wisconsin news source. But in this article, she, she gave some comments to the interviewer, and it, it's really kind of indicative of where her headspace is, and at least in my opinion. So Detterman said here, the move comes at an especially difficult time as Fox Valley hospitals struggle with an influx of COVID-19 patients, the highest number since March 2020, according to data from the Wisconsin Hospital Association. In more normal circumstances, patients could count on being able to be transferred quickly to a hospital with more resources if needed, she said, something that's not guaranteed today. And then this is the quote I wanted to focus on. She says, quote, to be focused on this court action instead of the pandemic is just so disappointing, end quote. And think about that. She's using the pandemic as cover to basically hold people as slaves. So in other words, we messed up because we did not adequately staff and we failed to even try to retain these employees. But now, government, we're coming to you with our hat in our hand and we're just hoping that you'll give us the ability to say you can't leave. That is disgusting. That is absolutely disgusting. But back to the Reason article. So it goes on to say, in a statement provided to the Appleton, Wisconsin, Post Crescent, Ascension wrote that, quote, workforce shortages are one of the many stresses healthcare systems have faced during this pandemic. Contrary to the allegations in the ThetaCare lawsuit, Ascension, Wisconsin, did not initiate the recruitment of the ThetaCare employees. Rather, the employees applied for open job postings, it is Ascension Wisconsin's understanding that ThetaCare had an opportunity, but declined to make competitive counteroffers to retain its former employees, end quote. Indeed, one of the healthcare workers being unjustly treated as a serf, Timothy Breister, told Judge McGinnis that when he heard of a colleague getting an offer from Ascension better, not just in pay, but also a better work-life balance, he also applied. When he asked ThetaCare for a counteroffer, he was told that, quote, the long-term expense to ThetaCare was not worth the short-term cost, end quote. And just another cross-reference point on that particular argument. So this, what I'm about to read to you, actually comes from the legal brief filed by Ascension against ThetaCare, uh, or, or basically Ascension's point of view on this. So in this court document, it says, uh, point number three, ThetaCare, despite ample opportunity, failed to convince the IRC team to stay. By December 21st, the four radiology technologists on the IRC team each had received offers to work for Ascension and decided to give ThetaCare the opportunity to retain them. That day, they provided the details of their offers to ThetaCare management and requested a counteroffer. 
They received no response until December 28th when they were told by Interim Director of Cardiovascular Service Line, Ron Shoemaker, that ThetaCare would not be making any counteroffer. As he put it, the short-term expense of retaining the radiology technologist was not worth the long-term expense because if ThetaCare paid to keep these employees, it would have to offer raises to everyone. Oh, the humanity. Mr. Shoemaker was clear that this message came from senior management at ThetaCare, whom he had apprised of the problem posed by all four technologists' potential resignation. Mr. Shoemaker told the technologists that any coverage issues were not their concern, that he had raised the issue with senior management, and he had to trust that management had a plan in light of their decision to not retain the technologist. Mr. Shoemaker also candidly told them that if he was their grandparent, he would tell them that it was a good offer and they had to do what was right for them. The four technologists met directly after this meeting and in light of the response from ThetaCare leadership accepted Ascension's offers. They then submitted their formal resignations the following day. The group's resignation en masse, as ThetaCare would have it, was not the result of some subterfuge by Ascension, but rather the near inevitable result of ThetaCare telling its employees they were not valuable enough to retain. Okay, and back to the conclusion of the Reason article. This is, alas, the sort of thing that treating healthcare as a matter of public policy rather than free markets can lead to. Judge McGinnis's order offered no legal reasoning or precedent for his outrageous act. It is hard to imagine that one could be offered that meets constitutional muster. And so that's the end of the Reason article. I think they're kind of off the mark there at the end because the judge did not twist ThetaCare's arm and tell them to file this lawsuit. ThetaCare did that of its own volition. So, again... What we're going to look at today is what's the long-term implications of this? It starts maybe with the jab mandates, and I started talking about this all the way back in episode 15. It's titled, I'll Take My Stand. I released it on July 30th. The logical implication of letting private companies get away with jab mandates is a recognition of some form of slavery. Now, it's a very cushy version of slavery. You'll be well-paid, you'll be well-fed, and we'll even let you pick your master. But you will have a master. And so this is just kind of building on that. Now, thank God, when they had the follow-up hearing to this case uh, on Monday, the 24th, which I'm recording this on the 25th, so it would have been yesterday. But thank God, the judge came to his senses and rescinded that injunction. And let's read that article. So this one is from WBAY.com. This one also looks to be a local Wisconsin news outlet. But it says, Outagamie County, Wisconsin, an Outagamie County judge has lifted an injunction freeing seven members of ThetaCare's accredited stroke care team to take jobs with Ascension, Wisconsin. Judge Mark McGinnis said, quote, based upon the testimony, the exhibits that have come in that ThetaCare has not satisfied its burden, that it will likely suffer irreputable harm without an injunction, end quote. Seven of the stroke care's team, 11 members, accepted work at St. Elizabeth Hospital they were supposed to start their new jobs on Friday. However, ThetaCare filed for an injunction claiming Ascension recruited the employees. The lawsuit also sought a 90-day partnership with Ascension Wisconsin until ThetaCare could fill those positions. The judge heard from several witnesses in an hours-long hearing on Monday. ThetaCare's former head of trauma testified about the impact losing the majority of the interventional radiology and cardiovascular or IRC team would mean to its Nina Hospital. Dr. Ray Georgian said, quote, what I've been told, and it's more hearsay than anything, with that number of people departing, that that would have a major impact on the level two trauma center to deliver these types of things that we've talked about this morning, end quote. 
The judge also heard from the employees themselves who said they were not poached by Ascension Wisconsin. Speaking with Action 2 News last week, one member of the team said they applied for a job with Ascension Wisconsin and received a much better offer than expected, which led others on the team to apply. They told the judge changing jobs was not just about money, but a better quality of life, not being on call as often working at St. Elizabeth, and feeling appreciated for their work. Quote, it was in my opinion life-changing money for my family and offering a work-life balance that created more time with my children and husband, end quote, said Kaylee Young, a former ThetaCare employee. Young, a former ThetaCare employee, said, quote, it's hard to even collect my thoughts in this moment because this is where it's flooding me with emotion rather than being able to think straight. So the respect that we have not received until this day, hearing how magical what we do is, but nobody cared about that when we went and asked for a counteroffer to stay. It's just a lot, end quote. Quote, we were cordial and we were trying to work with them and help provide coverage, but when this lawsuit came through that they would rather have us be unemployed and jobless than work for a competitor, my willingness to help them died out. End quote. Former ThetaCare employee Michael Prosner said, Employees said they tried to negotiate and a meeting took place in late December. I think there was maybe a thought that they were about to get into a bidding war and decided that would not be in the best interest of our other employees, said Len Detterman. So again, Len Detterman showing up here. And and again, think about that mindset. A bidding war for their services would not be good for the rest of the employees. God forbid you pay everybody a little bit more. I mean, look, I am not somebody who advocates a federal minimum wage. I don't even advocate a state-level minimum wage. I think the minimum wage should be zero because I think anybody should be able to take a job for whatever they can command. However, however, when you have a situation like this where you have a captive industry or a captive regulatory body, it is not the same. It is not the same. These hospitals get bukus and windfalls of money coming into them from Medicare payments and everything else. They have plenty of money to pay their employees more if they want to, but instead they allocate a lot of that to pay for administrative services. They have shareholders to satisfy all this kind of stuff. It's not really a good setup. It's actually, in my opinion, a pretty rotten setup. But back to the article, ThetaCare operates the only level two trauma and comprehensive stroke stroke care unit in the Fox Valley. It says losing those workers could impact its ability to have people on call 24 seven, which is necessary for accreditation. So again, they're worried about accreditation, not necessarily employee well-being or welfare, whatever you want to call it. Judge Mark McGinnis granted the temporary restraining order against Ascension Friday, reading it must, quote, make available to ThetaCare one invasive radiology technician and one registered nurse of the individuals resigning their employment with ThetaCare to join Ascension with their support to include on-call responsibilities or cease the hiring of the individuals referenced until ThetaCare has hired adequate staff to replace the departing IRC team members, end quote. And again, we, we already read that part in reason. But that injunction is no longer in effect. A statement from an Ascension Wisconsin spokesperson after the ruling reads, quote, We are pleased with the court's decision to dismiss the temporary restraining order, preventing seven individuals from beginning employment with Ascension Wisconsin. We welcome our newest associates. We will continue to support our healthcare workers and staff, and we thank them for their tireless dedication to providing high-quality, compassionate care to our communities, end quote. And Len Detterman released a statement Monday evening saying, quote, The issue has always been about protecting our community's access to the highest level of trauma and stroke care provided in the Fox Valley region at Theta Care Regional Medical Center, Nina. 
We made significant efforts to try to work with Ascension Wisconsin to resolve the situation in a way that protects the community's access to this critical care and honors the decision of the team members who decided to leave our organization. ThetaCare's commitment to providing patients access to exceptional, high-quality care is unwavering. We know the situation has put the team members who decided to leave ThetaCare in the middle of a difficult situation. Our goal was always to create a short-term, orderly transition, not to force team members to continue working at ThetaCare. As we have been, we will continue working day and night to ensure ongoing access in the short term and have secure coverage in these areas. We will also continue the significant, robust work that is underway to secure a long-term solution and continued community access for these critical care services so people can get the care they need in their community when minutes count, end quote. And so, Detterman, that is gaslighting at its finest. So let, let's go back here. She says, our goal was always to create a short-term orderly transition, not to force team members to continue working at ThetaCare. So what ThetaCare wanted, though, again, was a 90-day restraining order where these people could not go and work for Ascension. Their option, if that had passed or if it had been kept in place, their option would have been they could stay home and not get paid or they could go work for ThetaCare. Again, that is slavery. If you're saying, I own your labor, that is slavery. And to tie this all back in with what we've talked about with the private jab mandates, that is an, a recognized property right over the body of a person. So we already have the jab mandate saying that, and now you have a case like this trying to argue, well, we actually have a right to their labor too because these people are community assets. That is saying you own the labor. So you're saying you own the body and the labor of a person. What is that if it is not a form of slavery? And I do want to reemphasize here that what I'm saying is not new. So recall from our more recent episodes where we studied the Southern Agrarians and we studied James Burnham, people have been calling this out. The Southern Agrarians about 90 years ago, James Burnham about 80 years ago, they have been calling this out. What we have to be willing to do now... Any sort of liberty-oriented person, you cannot just be a staunch defender of corporations in the abstract. These things are to the point they are dangerous. They get in bed with the government. There's regulatory capture. There's all kinds of stuff that goes into that. We've already covered the biggest pitfalls, at least as I see them and as the agrarians saw them, of the corporate form. It is a centralizing tool. It is a creation of the state. It is a therefore a creature of the state. They collude for the same goal, they being corporations and the government. They collude for the same goal, to reduce the average person, again, to a decently paid and well-fed slave. It's even getting so bad. I mean, they're, they're coming out and saying this stuff in broad daylight. As Klaus Schwab and the rest of the World Economic Forum told the world about six years ago, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. That, and I'm not making that up. You can go and look into that. I know a lot of my listeners, y'all are actually already familiar with that because I, I've talked with you about it on MeWe and I, I've seen you make your own post about it. But that is the type of world we're facing. They want to reduce everything to a permanent rental economy. You cannot, as an individual, own anything. You can't own it. You can rent it. You can rent it on a permanent basis even, but you can't own it. You always got to pay for it month to month to month. And speaking of James Burnham, I'm going to close out this episode with a couple of more passages from his book that I did not read to y'all when I did the episode on the book. So these passages, in my opinion, especially in light of this lawsuit, 
are extremely relevant. Now, again, I want to reemphasize the judge came to his senses and revoked the injunction he initially issued. But the precedent was set that you can have corporate entities get in bed with the government to this extent that they will be looked at as owners of labor. So the first part that we're going to read from Burnham's book, he says the second assumption is, and here he's talking about how the downfall of capitalism would, would come about. He says, the second assumption is, in effect, the following, that the abolition of capitalist private property rights and the instruments of production is a sufficient condition, a sufficient guarantee of the establishment of socialism. That is, of a free, classless society. Now, we already have available historical evidence, both from ancient and modern times, to show that this assumption is not correct. Effective class domination and privilege does, it is true, require control over the instruments of production, but this need not be exercised through individual property rights. It can be done through what might be called corporate rights, possessed not by individuals as such, but by institutions, as was the case conspicuously with many societies in which a priestly class was dominant in numerous primitive cultures in Egypt to some degree in the Middle Ages. And so again, he's saying there, look, you don't have to have a subversion of real property rights by the state just assuming ownership. It can happen through corporate consolidation is essentially what he's saying there. And he's to that point, he's actually refuting people's belief that socialism was inevitable. He's like, no, 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 you can have this third way. And it's a very, very nasty third way that he describes but then he goes on to say, and this is in a chapter about the middle of the book, uh, maybe a little bit past the middle, but he goes on to, to spell out his theory of the economy of the managerial society, so how it would actually work. And I have to tell you, all it is extremely dystopian. So he says in this chapter, he says, just as the bourgeoisie or capitalist will be eliminated in the managerial economy, so will the position of free workers or proletarians as known under capitalism be greatly altered. The freedom of proletarians under capitalism is, of course, a curious kind of freedom. It means, in the first place, freedom from ownership rights and the instruments of production. There will be no change in this freedom. Effective control of the instruments of production will be held not by workers, but by the managers through their state. But proletarian freedom under capitalism also means, to a limited extent, freedom for the workers to sell their labor or not to sell it, though the alternative of not selling it being starvation is not too realistic to sell it to one competing employer as against others and to bargain over its price. These latter possibilities will not exist in anything like the same form under managerial economy. And I would say that hits it on the head exactly. That is what we're seeing with ThetaCare. They have a group of spokespeople for the corporate entity who are saying, we own these people's labor. They are a community asset. And they were unfortunately able to get the ear of a questionable judge to hear the case. And again, I'm recognizing the state played a very problematic role in this episode. I understand that. But as somebody who admires liberty, who thinks liberty is worth preservation, I expect that from the state. But what we have to be willing to do now is to say, okay, corporate actors can also be very devious people, very nasty and perhaps evil people. So we have to be willing to call that out. And this type of fusion, I mean, we are living, unfortunately, in Burnham's world. We are living in the world that the agrarians feared. Now the question must be, how do we break it? And we have to be willing to call out the so-called private actors when they do crap like this. And thank you all again for tuning in.
Please remember, if you find value in the podcast, to consider becoming a supporting listener today. And don't forget to help fuel the Jeffersonian revolution by using the link in the show notes page to purchase your gold backs. And all right, with another episode in the books, thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll talk to you all next time.